Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Monday, December 7th, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, canvassing all across the state today, where today was the deadline to register to vote for the January 5th runoff. We will show you uh, what Until Freedom was doing. We talked to Tamika Mallory, my son, Linda Sarsour, and others as they were going door to door, encouraging folks, checking to see if they were registered, and encouraging them to vote as well. Also, yesterday was a debate with Kelly Loeffler and Pastor Raphael Warnock. John Ossoff debated an empty podium because Senator David Perdue he was too afraid to actually debate. We'll show you the highlights from that debate. And, of course, on Saturday, uh, we live-streamed and covered the rally uh, with John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, which took place in Conyers, Georgia, where uh, Portia uh, Williams, as well as Jermaine Dupree, uh, were there encouraging folks to vote. We'll also show you some of that as well. And, again, Joe Biden has been certified again 
as the winner of the Georgia uh, of the Georgia uh, uh, pro, uh, election, uh, Donald Trump keeps losing in court. Uh, the leader of a black militia, who of course we talked to on this show a few months ago, has been arrested and charged with assaulting law enforcement officers. We have the details of that. The family of two-year-old Casey Goodson of Ohio says the police shot him three times in the back, but the cops are telling a different story. That's no shock there. In Louisville, Kentucky, a new report shows that police there disproportionately target African-Americans with no-knock warrants. And also, there was a ceremonial signing today of a new law tied to Breonna Taylor. Plus, a 25-year study reveals that racism literally ages black people faster. We'll also give the latest on the COVID-19 vaccine and those numbers. Plus, comedian George Wallace is here to talk about his new book. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered from the great state of Georgia. Let's go. Folks, today is the last day for Georgia voters to register for the runoff election. Of course, it is taking place on January 5th. It will pit Senator Kelly Leffler uh, against uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock in one U.S. Senate race. In the other U.S. Senate race, it is going to pit Senator Republican David Perdue against John Ossoff. Of course, uh, they have been involved in a lot of heavy, heavy-duty campaigning, folks, uh, over uh, the past few months. Of course, not one person was able to get 50-plus-1% uh, in uh, November 3rd, so that's why there's going to a runoff. Already 900,000 people have requested absentee ballots to vote. Now, again, today's the deadline to register. Early in-person voting starts here in Georgia next Monday, December 14th. And already, folks, uh, both political parties have been pouring resources into the state. You've also had various outside groups here as well. Uh, over the weekend, uh, the, of course, you had a big, big uh, event taking place last night. That is the only debate will be taking place between the candidates. John Ossoff debated an empty podium because Senator David Perdue refused to show up. And then, of course, on, on the other side, you had Kelly Leffler, uh, who uh, debated uh, Raphael Warnock. Uh, all kind of different uh, things uh, were said uh, in this particular debate. So let's do this here. Let's first off uh, talk about uh, that. First of all, let's want to show you some of the highlights from last night's debate here in Atlanta at the Atlanta Press Club. private briefing regarding the coronavirus pandemic. You dumped millions of dollars of stock uh, in order to protect your own investments. And then weeks later, when there came an opportunity to give ordinary Georgians an extra $600 of relief, you said you saw no need and called it counterproductive. Why do you think it's counterproductive to help ordinary Georgians 
in the middle of a pandemic? Well, thank you for that question because I've been completely exonerated. Those are lies perpetrated by the left-wing media and Democrats to distract from their radical agenda. Since I got to the Senate, I've worked hard to deliver relief to Georgians during this pandemic, and I'm continuing to do that. But look what Democrats have done. They have stood for stonewalling relief that I voted for twice in the Senate to deliver relief to families, to farmers, to schools and hospitals. They're playing politics. That's what they're using their lies to cover up. The fact that they don't have a positive agenda to lift Georgians up. They want to defund the police, raise your taxes, implement the Green New Deal that would crush jobs and opportunity. And what I'm working on is making sure that we can get the economy going again, that we can drive forward after this pandemic. And I've been working side by side for my colleagues to make sure that we get that done and we have delivered results. $47 billion that I brought here to Georgia saved 1.5 million jobs at small businesses. Uh, Reverend, you have 30 seconds to respond if you'd like. Uh, listen, I do not want to defund the police and Kelly Leffler knows it. Uh, but she keeps saying this because she wants to distract from her own record. Uh, the truth of the matter is, were it left up to her, uh, Georgians would not have received the $600 of expanded unemployment insurance. And they haven't seen any relief in months. And she hasn't done anything. She's done nothing to provide relief for ordinary people, the folks I'm seeing all across this state who are in pain in the middle of this pandemic. Senator Leffler, it's your turn to ask a question of Reverend Warnock. Reverend Warnock, in your writings and your teachings, you've repeatedly praised Marxism and the redistribution of income. Can you here and now for all Georgians renounce socialism and Marxism? Listen, uh, I believe in our free enterprise system. And uh, my dad was a small business owner. Uh, and during the Great Recession, you know what I was doing? I, I was leading my church to build a community center where, among other things, we had a financial literacy center that taught people how to repair their credit, create a 700 credit score community, how to create a business, how to buy a home, how to participate in our free enterprise system. Kelly Leffler, on the other hand, was teaching the big banks how to hide their investments offshore in the Cayman Islands. Uh, this is how she spent her career before she went to the Senate this is what she's been focused on uh, now that she's in the Senate. She was only there three weeks. I'm not sure she was fully unpacked when she started dumping millions of dollars of stock trying to protect herself. And uh, she purchased that seat. It's done well for her. To the issue is that the people who sold it to her don't own it. Reverend Warnock. You were arrested for obstructing police in the arrest in, in the child abuse investigation. Can you tell me the nature of this child abuse? What, why were the police called? What was your knowledge or involvement in this incident? Sure, here are the facts, and, and Kelly Leffler actually knows them. Uh, I was uh, working and trying to make sure that young people who were being questioned by law enforcement had the benefit of counsel, a lawyer, or a parent. And the law enforcement officers actually later thanked me for my cooperation and for helping them. Uh, she knows this, but the question is, why is she doing this? It is because she has made a calculation that after being in the Senate for 10 months, she does not have a case to be made for why the people of Georgia 
should keep her there. She has been focused on the same thing she's focused on her whole life, herself. During the recession, she was helping billionaires like her hide their money in the Cayman Islands. She dumped millions of dollars of stock, played it down, and then when she could help ordinary people, she didn't do it, and the people of Georgia haven't seen relief for months. And so she's spending her millions of dollars focused on me because she has no case to make for herself. I think that's sad, but that's no reason for her to keep a Senate seat. Now, prior to this debate, uh, John Ossoff, uh, he debated an empty podium because Senator David Perdue refused to debate. That's because last time the two went head-to-head, Ossoff completely embarrassed Perdue, where clips went viral from that. Here is what Ossoff had to say last night. Well, it's a, a strange situation to be asking a question of a sitting United States senator who is not here to debate as he asks for the votes of the people to be reelected. Senator Perdue, I suppose, doesn't feel that he can handle himself in debate or perhaps is concerned that he may incriminate himself in debate, both of which, in my opinion, are disqualifying for a U.S. senator seeking re-election. He may not wish to be asked questions, for example, about his trades in Regions Bank while he championed legislation to benefit the firm or his trading of defense contractor stocks while he directed taxpayer dollars to them. But whatever the reason that Senator Perdue is not with us today, I think what I would ask him is why he continues to oppose $1,200 stimulus checks for the American people at this moment of crisis why he fought against them in the first place, and why he isn't in Washington right now championing direct financial relief, stimulus checks directly for an American people who are suffering. If I had the opportunity to ask the senator a question, if the senator were not too much of a coward to debate in public, then that's what I'd ask him. All right, let's go to my panel. Teresa Lunday, she is the principal founder of TML Communications. Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, president emerita, Bennett College, and Joseph Williams, senior editor for U.S. News and World Report. Lord, I swear last night, uh, Teresa, uh, Kelly Loeffler, uh, she, was, she was like a Stepford politician. Uh, has anybody plugged her back in to so she, she, she can recharge her batteries? Because she was truly a robot. That was probably the best accurate portrayal of Kelly that I've heard uh, since I've been tracking this on Twitter. Uh, Kelly has been keeping up with the talking points. Still uh, president uh, that he won the election and he won Georgia. I mean, her her presence there tonight. Honestly, she she probably should just bailed out like because her responses did not understand the underlying issues of what uh, Raphael was saying, which was. <laughs> You bailed out on giving stimulus payments to those in need, $600 payments to those uh, who needed the most. But then in turn, you made sure when you heard there was a pandemic coming, you then went to the stock market and made sure you had your own bailout in order. So I think, again, that's an oxymoron and also a contradiction of what, you know, her presence there in the Senate is to do. It seems like her agenda was to protect you know, the Republican Party, and that she did. You know, she was a pansy for it, 
and it was absolutely shown to Georgia residents. So I'm glad they actually had that debate, but unfortunately, it'll probably be their last. Um, radical, liberal, Joseph. Radical, liberal, Warnock. Radical, liberal, radical, liberal. She clearly uh, wanted to uh, call Pastor Raphael Warnock a radical liberal. Uh, he was a radical liberal, I think she was trying to call him. I don't know. I mean, I thought that, that her <laughs> repetition of that was just stale. I mean, it's just stale. I mean, there was no... Uh, uh, no engagement on the issues, no response to his uh, accusations that she sat on her hands while people uh, in Georgia were suffering, which the record clearly shows that the Republicans had bill, uh, had a bill from the Democratic uh, House on their laps in May, and nothing happened. Uh, Kelly Loeffer is, 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 is giving off a lot of entitlement vibe here, and I don't know if that's going to go over very well with the voters. I mean, certainly... Uh, uh, Raphael Warnock has a track record to, to, to speak of. She's got really nothing of that sort. I mean, he's got uh, community activism. He's got a pastor, uh, a pastorship. He's got a flock. And that I think that flock will probably serve him welcome Election Day. But if Leffler's depending on those kind of attacks to work, I really don't see it happening. And Julian, the reality is, uh, him going after her and for her to say, oh, I was completely exonerated. Uh, actually, you were not, okay? It was short-circuited, just like David Perdue uh, is lying as well. And then, of course, last night, he really uh, nailed her, Pastor Warnock nailed her, and when it came to Matthew 25, when it came to, uh, of course, uh, supporting African-Americans as well, she could not say anything that she's done for black folks uh, in last night's debate. I mean, last night's debate. And again, it was... Hi, my name is Kelly Leffler. I'm a robot. I'm here at the debate. This man is standing next to me. I don't know what to do. I, it, it sort of reminded me of one of those characters when Gilda Ratner was on Saturday Night Live in the 70s. Roland, first of all, this little Barbie doll lookalike who uses her hair for punctuation is unworthy to be on a stage with the right reverend and possibly wonderful... Um, Raphael Warnock. Number two, as my brother said earlier, she everything she... You could ask her if the sky was blue, and she would say, radical socialist. Um, so that was her mantra. That was her whole thing. Now, number three, let's really be clear about this crazy woman who has basically broken laws around stock investments. And Warnock called her out but she should have been called out more about the ways that she's played with the stock market. That did not occur, and there have to be new rules about how people can invest in their own uh, benefit uh, to the detriment of the American people. Any this point, woman, but Juliana, at any point, Juliana, at any point, did she even answer a direct question? When she was asked that question, she did. She. We was asked, should members of the U.S. Senate, members of Congress, be barred from trading stocks? She wouldn't even answer it. If you want any further proof that she did what she did, she wouldn't answer that question. Well, Roland, and that was a key question. Now, we know that she has a mentor in uh, that man who lives in the house that enslaved people built. And he, too, has kept his uh, pecuniary interests uh, under his pocket. But the fact is that this woman 
has she paid for the Senate seat. She paid for she's paying for her own uh, reelection campaign. She pays, she pays, she's paid. She's fought with her own WNBA players. She's called them trash because they uh, have care uh, worn Black Lives Matter T-shirts. Warnock was dignified. He was a Morehouse man. And you know what they say? They say if you see, can see a Morehouse man, tell a Morehouse man, you can't tell him nothing. Well, you couldn't tell him anything except what we needed to tell him was kick her butt. He was he was just a little more gentle than I would have liked to see. Well, here's the deal, Joseph. Here's the deal, Joseph. A lot of people have said a lot of people have said this. And look, a, here you have a black man running against a white woman in Georgia. I think if you look at the commercials of Raphael Warnock, I think they 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 are having to present him in a particular way in order to appeal to a wider swath of voters. Um, and remember, when he was talking last night, I don't need to be lectured on the Bible. And so he had to be extremely careful because we know how, how, again, how folk get if you get real aggressive in correcting a white woman who's running for office, Joseph. Well, and that's part of her strategy was to sort of paint him as the angry black radical, right? Uh, running against uh, this genteel uh, millionaire uh, Southern woman who owns a basketball team and has done the largesse of the community, uh, the favor of, you know, done the community the favor of serving. Now, I think that's that's a ridiculous strategy. I think that Warnock definitely has to be presenting himself as non-threatening. Yeah, because the optics are really not very good if he does become very aggressive against uh, Kelly Warnock. He does play into that stereotype, that old trope of the angry black man. And that what that was what a lot of that Marxism talk was about. I mean, you could practically see the imagery of him in a, a, a beret and black sunglasses with a black power. I mean, that's the image she wants to play uh, to frighten uh, the white Georgia voters uh, into thinking that this angry black man is going to take their stuff away and is going to give it all to 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 black people and redistribute the wealth. We all know that's not going to happen. What is going to happen, however, is that Warnock, in you know, by virtue of his position and of being uh, an African American man running in a state that Stacey Abrams has pretty much put on lockdown as far as turnout is concerned will have that wind at his back. The question is whether or not it's going to be enough for hardcore Republicans and 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 never say die Trumpers to 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 hear the message, heed the message that she is all that stands between them and utter chaos with Joe Biden and a black man representing Georgia. You know, Joseph, here's the deal. Hold on one second. Here's the deal though. This is the only debate. I don't believe for a second that this debate is going to sway anybody. This is going to be a ground game. This is going to simply be, can you hit the ground? Can you push your people? Can you drive your people to the polls? I think last night, Warnock's whole deal was do no harm. You've got third party groups, you've got an opportunity to run as many ads as possible. I just think, Teresa, bottom line is, that was a strategy last night, and I think he was effective with that strategy. I agree. I think the team uh, put a very comprehensive campaign plan together where, um, you know, the, the angry black man doesn't work, the, the high 
propensity. Uh, Reverend Boyce doesn't work. And he was very calm. Um, the ground game strategy is going to be essential. I, I believe all uh, hands are on deck. And I, there are communities and organizations that are coming from across the country that are flying to Florida. The rates that, you know, I believe there was an article earlier that talked about, you know, the amount of airline flights that are, be t that are uh, doing round trips to Atlanta, Georgia. And the reason why is because people are understanding that they, they have crucial roles in order to flip the Senate is happening right here in these two races. And so if they don't put, you know, the, 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 the strategy in place where um, Reverend Warnock, um, you know, is, is not only take, grabbing some of those votes from those Republicans who just like, I'm sick of it, you know, this party has to change and let's see what the Democrats actually do. It's a small percentage, but it could possibly happen. Um, but it will take, you know, those friends and neighbors um, and those that actually understand the character of Kelly Loafer, Loeffler and what she has been bringing to the table hasn't been much for their party or will be much in the future. Uh, Julianne, go ahead. You want to make a final comment? I think that um, Reverend uh, Warnock has a tremendous opportunity. I think that a lot of people are moving his way. I don't want us to play this as a national race because that's what gets Georgians' backs up. But I do think that this is really important. And um, I see sister organizations all over the country, uh, Melanie Campbell, uh, Latasha Brown, and others reaching out because the issue is turnout. The biggest challenges for runoff races in Georgia have been two things, youth turnout and black turnout. Now you have a young man, uh, Ossoff, 31, 32, on the ballot, and you have a black man on the ballot. So people need to play that as hard as they can to overcome the history of low turnout. Bottom line, folks, uh, what we're seeing is, again, lots of attention here uh, in Georgia. Uh, more than $250 million has already been spent on various ads. Uh, Third-party groups are also in the ground. In the next hour, uh, we will hear from Tamika Mallory, Linda Sarsour, and my son. They're, of course, with Until Freedom. They are, have been on the ground for two weeks here in Georgia. I caught up with them as they went door-to-door, -door, uh, leaving tags and also helping people, to one, helping them to register, but two, checking to see if they are registered. And so we'll show you that conversation in the next hour. Uh, let's talk about uh, a couple of stories uh, out of Kentucky. Uh, one of them involves uh, Breonna Taylor, but another one of them involves uh, a br brother who actually we found out about him as a result of forming uh, or organizing uh, black militias folks uh, to go to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, John F. Johnson, also known as Grandmaster J of the uh, No Effing Around Coalition, is facing both federal and state charges for allegedly assaulting federal task force officers. According to the criminal complaint, in September, Johnson, quote, forcibly assaulted, resisted, opposed, impeded, intimidated, uh, and interfered with Louisville Metro Police Department while they were on the roof of the Jefferson County Grand Jury Building, keeping watch on Jefferson Square Park, where an armed protest took place. Now, Johnson was seen brandishing an AR uh, platform, uh, a firearm, at the officers. Now, this is where it comes in. 
Johnson was arrested at the Westchester, Ohio home on December 3rd. He appeared before a federal judge in Louisville last Thursday. The FBI, Louisville Division, and Louisville Metro Police Department are actively investigating this particular case. The NFAC leader is set to be arraigned on December 8th at 1 p.m. in Jefferson County. If convicted, Johnson faces maximum sentence of 20 years in federal prison. Uh, speaking of Louisville, folks, over the last two years, black people living in Louisville, Kentucky, were the subjects of no-knock warrants more than anyone else. The Louisville Metro Police Department received court approval for at least 27 no-knock warrants from 2019 through 2020. 22 of those warrants were for African Americans. Jefferson County is home to more than 750,000 residents with African Americans, making up 22 percent of the population. Now, State Representative Attica Scott says policing has historically and continues to be racially disparate. Now, no-knock warrants were barred back in June after widespread protests took place over the death of Breonna Taylor. She, of course, uh, was shot and killed in her apartment by officers who were executing a no-knock warrant earlier this year. Um, want to go to our panel. Actually, in a second, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, in a second, we'll talk about that whole issue of those no-knock warrants. This is uh, not, not just an issue um, in Louisville, but also we are seeing how the protests have changed things. Uh, in Virginia, Governor Ralph Northam has signed Brianna's law banning the use of no-knock warrants in the state. The governor was accompanied by attorney Ben Crump. Take a look at what Benjamin Crump had to say today. to understand far too often black women don't get the attention and recognition that others get not even brothers get when they are killed in this manner and so Bianca her aunt God knows before Lanita and Sam and I got involved was out there fighting every day to say that Brianna mattered that Brianna was special. Her little sister and her mother, Tamika Palmer, they called to the Louisville Police Department every day asking for answers. Every day, her little sister, Janiah, posted on social media that Brianna Taylor was my sister and she was special and that she mattered. But nobody was listening, Madam First Lady, and so... I was calling everybody, and one of the people Alan told me to call was this young lady in Virginia who I'm told was the youngest person to be elected as a delegate and that she can help make it important in Virginia. And so I'm so grateful that you took the call and that you said that Breonna Taylor matters in Virginia as well. And I think about the arguments, Dr. Underwood, that I heard happen where people said in Virginia, nobody had been killed by a no-knock warrant. And I love you and Senator Lott's passionate response. Why should we have to wait until we have a Breonna Taylor in Virginia before we pass responsible legislation to prevent a Breonna Taylor from happening in Virginia. And 
that was better than any lawyer could have argued. So I thank you all for being lawyers in the legislative halls. So for the folks who whine and complain about defund the police, Julian, this is a part of the fight, the battle for police reform. And what we have learned in the past 10 years, really with the uh, advent of Black uh, Lives Matter, is that change happens not just in Washington, D.C. Ben Crump talked about uh, the brother who said, we don't want to wait for something to happen. Something has already happened. Something has been happening for 400 years. If we go back and look at the number of people who have been killed, it just, it's massive. It's amazing. And so um, the issue of the no-knock warrant is nothing more than the extension of the police state to say that you could just bust into anybody's house anytime you want to, for any reason that's real or specious. In the Brianna case, of course, we know they had, a, they made a mistake. But we've had other cases where people had a digit change and people's homes were busted into. So Ben Crump is my hero always, 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 because he just breaks it down. But the other breakdown is this. Let's not act like this is a 2020 issue. This is a 1619 issue. And that's the way I think we have to look at this. Uh, Joseph Williams, I'm going to bring this other story in and we'll talk about all of these things together. The family of uh, a man, Casey Christopher Goodson Jr., is demanding an investigation to his death out of Ohio. On Friday, Goodson was shot by a sheriff's deputy in Columbus, Ohio. According to the deputy, he was investigating a report he, he fled, uh, filed where he witnessed a man with a gun. He then began engaging with Goodson verbally. At some point, the deputy fired his weapon, killing Goodson. Now, officials say a gun was recovered from the 23-year-old Goodson. Now, the deputy, of course, a 17-year veteran of the force, he was not wearing body camera, and the family says his version of the encounter doesn't make sense. According to Goodson's family, Goodson was returning home from a dentist appointment when he was gunned down by the deputy in front of his grandmother, and two toddlers. The deputy then pointed his gun at family members and demanded they come outside. Family members say they saw Goodson's lifeless body laying next to three sandwiches he picked up on the way home. But they said he had no gun. Residents in Ohio are scheduled to protest at the Ohio State House this coming weekend. All of these stories, Joseph, go together. It goes to the issue of reform. It goes to the issue of training, it goes to the issue of accountability, it goes to the issue of use of force. Uh, there's a video that's out there online where, I think it was in Ohio, if I'm correct, where a white man uh, with a gun, and I'm gonna try to find the video in a second, but a white man with a gun sitting in his lap, Joseph, disobeys the cops, asserts his Second Amendment rights, at one point, then, drives off. That white man is still alive. I don't know no black man. You could be a black man. 
in a Brooks Brothers suit with a U.S. veteran hat on your head, and I guarantee you, your ass would be dead if you pulled that. This is the battle we're dealing with, and this is why in that debate last night when Kelly Leffler, uh, oh, you call police thugs. Yes, because there are thuggish cops. You've got cops who actually are gangs uh, in police departments around this country, but there's a segment of people who are largely white who do not want to, who do not want to believe that the police need to be reformed. Well, and I'll reach even further back to a story that you did on your show uh, maybe last year, I think, about it, uh, where these investigators went through Philadelphia police officers' social media posts and found tons of white supremacist material. Not even a little, not a, not a few, but tons and tons and tons. This is a, an age-old story. The through line goes forever and ever. And the problem that we have here is that the defund the police slogan has been co-opted and it's been weaponized by, by white conservatives. Let's just uh, say that for what it is. But the second thing that we have here is that uh, if you if you draw a through line through all these stories, you're drawing a through line through Philando Castile, who announced to the police officer, I have a gun, let me reach you and show you my permit, and he ends up dead in front of his uh, his girlfriend and his child. Uh, we have the, the, the case of, of, of uh, the young uh, man, uh, Kyle Rittenhauer, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, parading up and down the street, with an arm, with a gun slung over his shoulder, nothing happens to him, and we got a guy coming home with a sandwich, three sandwiches, and he gets shot dead, shot down dead, and the police officer feels the need to point the weapon at his family. This is clearly a systemic problem that will not end until the systems are broken down, and those systems won't be broken down until we at least acknowledge that there is a problem, and the main root of that problem is racism. Bob Lines is here, Teresa. White folks are not having to deal with the same issue with police that black people are. 22 out of 25 no-knock warrants African-American. The numbers do not lie. That alone, that right there, uh, shows you how significant this is. That's what, 88%? Uh, 88% no-knock warrants black. Black folks make up 22% of the city. Hello, that's called disparity. Yeah, and it's going to continue to be despair, along with the many other factors that happen when we talk about criminal justice reform. And, and you know, like Dr. Um, Julian said, it started back in the day. It started when so it doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what we're wearing, you know, because essentially when the slaves owners decided to, um, for their slaves, decided to dress up their slaves for Sunday service, we were wearing our Sunday's best. We were wearing those beautiful striped suits and beautiful dresses. And still what happened? We were still up on the slave block getting sold to the highest bidder. So I think when we keep talking about, you know, what reforms need to happen, yes, we need to reanalyze what the, uh, the police system is doing, but also looking at our legislators and saying, listen, what can you do, yes, to defund their budget? What critical steps are you, you doing? And, and making sure that these instances are not just taking place only on one side, but also taking place, um, you know, hand in hand, looking for something else to happen. So I believe there is an opportunity here, but it has to happen with a, a holistic approach of, you know, uh, expertise where it's like, look, the time is now in order to do criminal justice reform and not later.
Well, see, I, I want to make a I want to make a real quick Absolutely. point if I can. I mean, you, you talk about elimination of no, no of no knock warrants, right? No knock warrants. Yes, we're going to take those off the table in one state, right? Forty nine other states, as far as we know, they still have the capability of doing this. Number two, no knock warrants are not a panacea because you have knock and announce warrants, which basically is once once has been described as a police officer goes to the front door, knocks, and another police officer goes around the back and yells, "Come in." Uh, so. Getting rid of warrants, uh, uh, aggressively served warrants, are part of the problem, too. Number three, we thought that body cams were going to be a, a, a solution, and it turns out that, oops, uh, I didn't wear it that day, or, you know, the battery ran out, it's broken. So I think that uh, it is a matter of systemic reform. It is a matter of reanalyzing and reinterpreting policing from top to bottom and making sure that we understand that these systems that have been in place for so long are, have been in place largely doing harm to one segment of the community. Well, and that's why uh, you're absolutely right. We don't see this whole thing as a panacea, uh, but it's all different. All these different things are critically important uh, to go uh, to when it comes to changing. Now, this really does tell with my next story. According to the Family and Community Health Study, African-Americans who experienced racism when they were younger also experienced aging at a quicker rate than those who hadn't over a 25-year period. A research team followed more than 800 black families and found black Americans live sicker lives and die younger than any other racial or ethnic group. The study shows how stress from racism, especially racism experienced at a young age, can impact an individual's mental and physical health. Now, Julian, these are things that we know because we've experienced this, but I'm tying this in with the last story. I'm tying it in with the police encounters. All of this goes with it. There is a certain level of anxiety and stress that you get when the cops appear in your rearview mirror. Look, in the case of, of Goodson from Ohio, the man let, went, got, went to a dentist appointment, picked up some sandwiches, and never made it home. Last night, uh, we're, we're gonna play a video a little bit later. Uh, I, I was in Warner Robins, uh, Georgia, where a black woman, a grandmother, talked about how she, her, her two grandchildren almost were killed when a white woman pulls a gun on them when they were in her yard. She says, she says that her grandchildren are traumatized right now. This white woman is out on bail. She says they are afraid to walk out of the home. Those children have experienced racism at such an early age that will impact it for the rest of their life, Julian. You know, economists and others have done studies about um, how long people live. And when you match everything, did you smoke, did you drink, did you exercise? You know, we can explain about uh, maybe 60% of the life expectancy differential by race and gender. But the part we can't explain is the part, Roland, that you've chosen to uh, hone in on, which is the impact that racism has on black people, on black men and women, and the ways that we live our lives. Um, what we see, and we all know it, I don't know a black person, I don't know a single black person. If anybody does, y'all let me know, who has not had one of those racism encounters that has really impacted their life in some way, whether it's a minor incident or a major incident. And so when you look at trauma, 
And when you look at what trauma does to you, you look at the ways that that trauma affects your heart disease, affects your blood pressure and all of that. I'll tell you, I'm afraid of dogs. I am extremely afraid of dogs. Don't bring none around me. Because when I was six, I was dog bit in Mississippi. And um, I live oh. in a neighborhood that's gentrifying, and there are more dogs than the law allows. And I just crossed the street. And one of my neighbors said to me, he said, you don't like dogs? I said, hey, like. It's like I'm scared. Now, I'm not scared of too much else, but I am truly scared of dogs. It's, it's a... Um, it's a scar. That's a minor scar. It's not the end of my world. But we all are carrying scars of racism, and they show up in our life expectancy. They show up in our mental health. They show up in the ways we live our lives. And this is something that has been unaddressed. And so when we talk about things like reparations, a lot of people want to go to just money. Money is extremely important, and we want that. But we also want repair. We want to repair what has happened to our communities around the ways that our people have been systematically attacked. I want to show right now that video. Again, we've given you the story of Goodson in Columbus, Ohio, okay? Cop says he has gun, so-called altercation, he ends up dead. Watch this altercation in Ohio. Do this, man. Just okay. get out of the car. I'm just asking. We'll get this figured out. Just come out okay, and just you, get out of the car. You release me now. We can't do that. Release okay. it. I have second amendment rights, David. Okay. Just, just get out of the car. Come on. Come back here. Excuse we'll talk me. about it. Excuse me. This right here is the reason we'll to get myself cast a doctrine. You know that. We'll get this figured out. Don't. Don't. Don't do it. Please. Just come on. Get out of the car, sir. Just get out of the car. Just step out. No. Just step out. Just step out of the car. Just don't. Don't do it. Get out of the car. You're on double blue. You know what's going to happen, right? Just stop. You need to get out of the car. That's so a lawful order. You're going to go to what, jail. What, a gun? A gunfight? Oh, take me to jail? Then. Go ahead. I Just come on. you're obstructing. I can't. No, you're, you're obstructing. You're pointing a gun at me, sir? Right now, my life's in threat. Okay. Well, we have I don't see body cam on this, sir. I'm just going to drive uh, away. I'm not going to bother anybody. No, you're Hands not. On the don't, don't do this. Nope. Don't do it. Don't. Oh, wow. Joseph, there is oh no God. way a black man goes oh home alive. None, zero, zilch. That is just stunning. <laughs> that is just stunning. I mean, 30 seconds in after the first get out of the car, after the second get out of the car, I expect <laughs> to hear some shots fired. If that was a black man, he'd have been dead. Even if you if you thought about driving away from the police. You know, you better wake up and apologize if you dreamed about that. And this is ridiculous that 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 it, 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 you know it it, it 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 is an example. It is clear. It is it is it is unconvertible, um, undisputable. Uh, even as much as the George Floyd video was, and and it's just remarkable to me that this guy could just drive away when we see time after time after time black people getting killed for lesser offenses. Uh, Teresa, again, this white guy, <laughs> he, Castle Doctrine, first of all, Castle Doctrine don't even apply in his case. He is throwing out Second Amendment rights, all this sort of stuff. 
First of all, if you black and you start throwing out your rights, oh, hell, you're going to get clocked upside the head. But this is an example how white cops, when they approach white people, they are approaching them far differently and they're approaching black people. And it does tell with this study in terms of the racism, the stress, the anxiety that we have because you still feel that hours, days, week, years afterwards. We just have to be honest. Most cops are approaching other white Americans as they see themselves and their family and giving them another chance and, you know, uh, giving them just a slap on a wrist or just giving them a doctor's note and saying, you know, he'll be better tomorrow. But as soon as there's an African-American in the car, we start talking about our rights, we start talking about our kids, we start talking about and asking questions of why I'm even getting pulled over, the first thing we get is... A bullet. And and I think, again, when we keep talking about what reform looks like, it we have to, you know, literally what Joseph was saying, talk about the issue of racism. People say, oh, I'm not racist. You know, I have, you know, black friends. But, but that it's also a, a major ignorance that even trickles down to our generation. And I'm talking about my generation, millennial generation and Generation X. Part of it is when we're not having these dialogues about you know, what racism actually is. And just because you show up, you know, uh, with with your black uh, brothers and sisters in arms during a protest, but then when you go home to your neighborhood, you're afraid to wear Black Lives Matter shirt or you're afraid to confront racism when you see it does not mean the problem is actually being solved. And thus, we keep having these murders, we keep having these deaths, and we keep having these conversations. But again, in order to fix them, and find profitable solutions for every person, we have to put proper leadership and the right laws in place um, in order to make that happen. You know, Roland, one well, of the things about... Juliana, Julian, this, this is real simple. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so one of the things about lynching is that people who had were lynched, who had relatives who were lynched, and or who had property stolen are often afraid and or ashamed to talk about it, even now. So you'll find people whose forebrothers and fathers lost hundreds of acres of land, and they don't want to tell you about it. They're shamed. They feel like they're weak. They feel like... And I do believe that that's part of the aging process, is that you're holding all of that stuff in. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, more of what's happening here in Georgia. We'll show you last night's event uh, that I uh, partnered with, Black Voters Matter, that took place in Warner Robins, Georgia. Uh, we'll have that for you. Also, we'll hear from uh, Until Freedom. They were on the ground uh, canvassing to register people to vote, as well as the folks with the HBCU Green Fund. All of that next, right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be back in a moment. Trump can show up and say anything, and they can just go, oh, yeah. The African-American community was great to us. They didn't vote. You know, he just called you stupid. Did you hear that? Oh, 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 but he's for us. Really? And they were just regurgitating the things that they had heard on a radio or in the barbershop or something that somebody had told them. They hadn't thought about it. Democracy is uh, in danger because people don't know how to think. I'm done with trying to convince people 
to try to vote for their, you know, for their for their life. You have to run for your life. I'm gonna go try to get people who are open to it and, and they and lead them. I'm done with hope. Fuck hope. Fight. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a value we all try to live by, but in Washington, it's been forgotten. It's clear, our politics are broken, overcome by a selfishness that rewards money and power, leaving far too many of us out of the conversation. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I see you. I see too many communities left behind, too many hardworking people ignored. I'm running for Senate to be your voice. That's why I approve this message. We're at Mom's Kitchen in Preston, Georgia. It's a family business. I enjoy making people happy, giving them a good meal. But since COVID, we had to close our main dining room. We lost all of that business. And we used to do a lot of caterings. We can't do any of that anymore. David Perdue knew what was about to happen. He was getting classified briefings about the pandemic. But instead of him being concerned about us, he off selling stock. We had no idea we'd have to close our businesses off. We'd lose caterings and so many people died. And then when we needed help the most, he fought against the stimulus checks and to cut unemployment insurance. Purdue needs to come out and us off in. Early voting starts December 14th. You gotta make a plan to vote. I'm John Ossoff and I approve this message. The man who stood behind this pulpit was opposed by the powerful and wealthy. He was called a communist. That he hated the police and his movement would destroy America. They attacked his personal life and distorted his policies. Sound familiar? It should. The hateful voices of old Georgia are back. They attacked Reverend King. Now they're attacking Reverend Warnock. It's disgusting. It's wrong. But with Mitch McConnell and Kelly Loeffler, it's no surprise. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. Carl Payne pretended to be Roland Martin. Holla! Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Matter package ready. Folks, as I said, today is the last day to register to vote here in Georgia, and the campaigns uh, of Warnock and Ossoff, they have been, of course, canvassing all across the state, but also many other uh, unaffiliated groups with the campaigns, third-party groups, uh, advocacy groups. They have been here. One of those is Black Voters Matter, of course, co-founded by Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright. Uh, last night, they held a dinner and debate watch party, drive-in watch party. It took place in Warner Robins. It's about two hours uh, from in Atlanta. Uh, I partnered with them. And so here is some of last night's event. controls the Senate. This is what's on the ballot. We need to be clear. What's on the ballot is the George Floyd Act and whether or not we can get action about police violence. That's what's on the ballot. 
What's on the bill is the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And whether or not our voting rights are going to be protected even in a state as they are right now trying to discount our votes. That's what's on the ballot. What's on the ballot right now is COVID relief. And whether or not our communities, our communities that have been decimated by this virus, whether or not we're actually going to get a relief that supports black businesses. Because we ain't getting nothing out of the last relief package, right? What's on the ballot is whether or not we get a real COVID relief package. These are the things that are on the ballot. Our lives are literally on the ballot. So everybody here has a role to play in building power. And I believe that we are going to do. Let me, I need somebody to say real loud, say, I believe. Say, I believe. Just gather your people of war and arise. Let's do this, y'all. I love y'all. My grandson, Caleb Barnes, and his friend, Ethan Hollins, were riding their bikes in Peach County, Georgia, in our neighborhood. A young a, a lady by the name of Patricia Compton decided that she was going to pull a gun on my grandson and his friend. Patricia Compton was arrested for pulling a gun on my grandson and his friend. She went to jail. They hit her with six counts. They hit aggravated assault um, with a deadly weapon, two counts. They hit her with child cruelty, two counts, and um, terroristic threats, two counts. Now, everybody is telling me that Patricia Compton is not going to do time, that those charges are going to be dropped to misdemeanors. But I say not so. Not so. My grandson is 12 years old. His friend is 13. They're babies. My grandson cried and begged Patricia Compton for his life. He told her, please don't shoot. I'm a kid. And you know what she said? She said, why are you crying like a little baby? Go home and tell your mama why you're crying. She showed absolutely no remorse. I want justice for Caleb Burns and Ethan Hollis. My name is J. Mel Hill, and I was your congressional candidate for the 2nd District. As candidates, all candidates owe it to their constituents. They owe it to the people that put them in the office to talk sensibly about the facts, not opinions. To speak about actionable and foreseeable issues. We know COVID was here. We knew our children were going to have to depend on learning through the internet. We should have been prepared. This is America. This is the greatest nation on the earth. And we deserve everything that we have put into America. We built America, and now we just want what is coming to us. Those politicians owe it to us to discuss the various problems and dangers that plague our nation, that plague our communities, that plague these 12 and 13-year-old black boys who can no longer go out on the street and play because people feel like they have power and privilege. We have that power. And we have that privilege. Do you know how we show that power and that privilege? We show up to vote. Do you understand? Right now, I'm working on an initiative. It's called Fresh Voices Matter. We are gearing towards the 17 and a half and 18-year-old children who aren't civically engaged because they've been told that it doesn't matter. Y'all, Fresh Voices Matter. We're going to get in the streets. We're going to make good trouble. And our voices are going to be heard because the time is now.
The uh, gonna, Black Voters Matter will be doing a lot of these type of events all across uh, Georgia between now and January 5th. Teresa, uh, this is critically important because what they are doing, they are going after and reaching people that, frankly, campaigns don't want to reach. They're really going to be focusing on these rural parts of Georgia where you have significant black population. They're looking at the numbers to see where African-Americans uh, turn out, where African-Americans turn out was not as high as it could have been, and going to those particular places, encouraging them. Uh, they also had uh, a caravan uh, as well. So what they did is, so we arrived yesterday, and Warner Robbins around 3 o'clock. The event was at 6 o'clock. They got there around 4 o'clock. And so what they then did was they took the Black Voters Matter bus uh, and then they, they traveled uh, throughout uh, you know, different neighborhoods, uh, you know, encouraging people to come, passing items out, uh, and then came back uh, to, uh, to the event. Uh, groups like Black Voters Matter, they've been able to raise the resources and the dollars to be able to do these things all across the state and the country. And that is needed. That on the ground, uh, boots on the ground activism is how Georgia got flipped and how Biden was able to win the state by less than 12,000 votes. And it's refreshing to see because, you know, it, these are the type of organizations that we all need to be supporting, going into our wallets. And if, if we don't have any financial help, we can take our bodies and, and make sure that we are present and in the moment and picking up the phone and sending out text messages because these these people, and especially other organizations like Black Voters Matter, are doing the work and are putting in the work for others to be a part. I think one crucial thing that this organization is doing is actually that, that message of pragmatic strategy of what it takes to win. So they are including the public and what it takes um, to win, but also what they have to lose if they don't put in, um, you know, their vote, but also their support um, for what they're trying to do there in Georgia. So I think it's just phenomenal. I think it's great. And, but I think it's also amplifying other organizations to do the same. So, you know, there's not one organization that can uh, take the reins, but there are many that are now coming together and doing events, you know, and logos are popping up on every flyer. And I just think it's amazing. It's just great. Uh, Joseph, uh, but you know, again, historic, historically, we've had organizations, Joseph, uh, that were on the ground uh, that, that were really uh, doing the work. And again, uh, it's about engaging with people um, uh, who otherwise get left out. Look, campaigns are all about, frankly, uh, an eight-week, 10-week, 12-week window. They're not about the daily grind of being able to reach people. What Black Voters Matter is doing, what Until Freedom is doing, what many of our uh, 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 social activist groups do, especially many groups that are local groups, uh, people who are in these cities, in these counties, in these states, they're doing it every day. They are invaluable when it comes to elections because they're, look, Desmond Mead and I had this conversation and he talked about there in Florida, how the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, how they were able to go into public housing complexes, to go into neighborhoods uh, that, that were high poverty, that were high crime, and, and then go to those places uh, and reach those folks. He said, well, other people were absolutely scared to death. That's how you flip cities, counties, and states. You got to do the work. That's exactly right. Uh, and the work pays off. Uh, you, you, you called it. Uh, Joe Biden won the state by a razor margin, uh, but 
at that time, there were still votes out there that hadn't been harvested. There were still places that Abrams and her machine had not reached. And this is an attempt to reach those places that, quite frankly, a lot of them hadn't even been asked to participate. It's not a matter of them not wanting to vote. It's a matter of them. Nobody asked them and nobody told them how they could do this. So it's really an amazing operation, an amazing series of operations that are going on to try to reach those people. Because if you do the math, this should be a very high turnout election for African-Americans. And that, again, is going to buoy the hopes of Raphael Warnick and John Ossoff, they are depending, they're going to be dependent on black votes. And honestly, black votes have been the story of this election. Joe Biden left for dead in South Carolina, resurrected on the on the strength of an endorsement by, uh, by Jim Clyburn and by the black vote. He gets a, 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 a favorable tailwind in Georgia and flips a state that hadn't voted uh, Democratic since Bill Clinton ran for, uh, for his first term. So in, in, inexorably, it's going to be efforts like those. It's going to be reaching voters who have not been have not been reached before to try to not leave any votes on the table. I believe that's going to make the difference if they're successful. It absolutely is because of that kind of an effort. Uh, Julian, we talk about not leaving uh, votes on the table. Again, Biden wins Georgia by less than 12,000 votes. That means that 500 votes in Athens, 1,000 in Warner Robins, another 1,000 in Albany, another 1,000 in Columbus. You start adding these numbers up, that then becomes the margin of victory. Precisely. And it's interesting because, as uh, our colleague has said from U.S. News and World Report, really it's about going down and looking at every single vote. Last week I interviewed Jamie Harrison. He has started a new pack called the Dirt Road Pack. It's really interesting. So the Dirt Road Pack is because he went down a dirt road and a man said to him, no candidate has ever come to speak to me. No Democrat, no Republican. Nobody. You're the first one who's come to speak to me. And therefore, I'm going to vote for you. And that was, this is the same thing that we're talking about when you go to the dirt roads in Georgia, when you go to that last vote um, in Valdosta, when you go someplace and let folks know that you really care about them. We all have gotten into this high-tech world where we're all used to getting like 10 emails a day or more say, pitch in or chip in or something, and that's all cool. And some of us have the means to do that. Um, and, but we're going to get, you know, topped off at a minute, like, okay, this is a third email today. No, I ain't chipping in no more. But the that's not the issue. The issue is how do we get people who have not been voting to vote? And it's not the electronic media. It's not these television ads is really going door to door and face to face and engaging people. And what I love about the work that Latasha uh, Brown does is that she really gets down up in it in terms of making sure that communities understand that she wants to be with them. So it's not just about the vote. It's like, what do you need? And that's what we have to do. And that's what we've lost in civil engagement, civic engagement in the era of the internet. And that's a fantastic point. What do you uh, need? That, that's so, a question that not a lot of people get asked. And it certainly makes a difference in politics. Somebody cares about you. They care about what you want. They care about what your community needs. 
it can make a big, big difference. Uh, and in fact, uh, joining us right now is uh, Felicia Davis. Uh, she is the uh, director uh, of HBCU Green Fund and Sustainability. And Felicia, we were talking about this very issue again of folks out there being active, going door to door, uh, sitting here trying to get people uh, to, to register. Uh, you uh, and so many others uh, have been doing that work as well here in Georgia. Talk about it. How's it been going? Oh, absolutely. So I am intensely focused on the south side of Atlanta, which is Clayton County, where we are 75% black on the south side. So from the general election until today, we have focused on canvassing. It wasn't all that we've done, but we went from having 30 people knocking on doors on the weekends during the general election to now we have 50 people knocking on doors every day, uh, at least five or six hours a day, uh, five to seven days per week. So, and I am proud to say that our workers are paid $20 an hour. So things have, that's what happens when the resources pour in. So with that, we did lit drops. We're trying to hit every single home in Clayton County. Now we also um, divide off. We do some things in Fulton County and some things in uh, DeKalb County and elsewhere. But Clayton has been kind of a secret place in the shadow of Fulton, DeKalb, Gwinnett, and Cobb County. But we are solidly black, often overlooked. So we need to turn out. And in fact, we got attention because on the horizon, when that absentee ballot count was coming in, they said, oh, Clayton County, and they saw that it went 75%, 85%. Biden-Harris before they got to absentee ballots. So that's who we are down here. But I think there is no important following up on my good sister, uh, Dr. Julianne Mal. It is personal contact for a new voter uh, found seven times. So that means you can't touch them and keep saying, get out and vote, get out and vote, because they have a legitimate question, vote for what? And so our answer, vote for yourself. What do you need first? What do you want second? And then we connect how it is, what they need connects to them getting out to vote. And whether it's a young person or an uninspired person, that answer they can relate to. Now, it may or may not get them out the first time, but it leaves something on their mind because we to turn out not just in presidential, not just in a high-profile Senate runoff. We want them to be engaged in the, in the school board, in the city council, in their mayors, the district attorney, so we can say, hey, voting connects to what judge will be the decision. So that's the way that we rolled out, and we have Black Women's Roundtable doing a tranche. We have Black Youth Vote doing a piece, and now a new effort, Blackmail Initiative, and they actually have a QR code that they ask brothers a, a survey question, and the very last question is, will you join them and volunteer and do some work in the community? So we have a powerful 
uh, effort going on on the ground that's really mobilizing our communities. Because we are, we are suffering and hard hit. We are essential workers. People are suffering from COVID. We can't get up close and personal. So at the same time that we're canvassing, we're leaving PPE. We're leaving sanitizer. We're leaving a mask. We even have a poncho in case it's raining when it's time to vote. We have a snack in the bag. Because if you're hungry on the other side of the door, you know my knock gave you a food bar. And you know, they're not so tasty when your refrigerator is full, but if you were hungry at the moment, they taste mighty good. And we leave a small bottle of water. So with, with all of that, we have a caring effort as we are knocking on doors and trying to get this vote out. Felicia, as you were talking, we're showing the video, uh, some of the drone footage last night from uh, Black Voters Matter being there in Warner Robins. And... Um, again, by look having these drive-in events, your point about talking to people, you're absolutely right. In a moment, I'm going to hear, if we're going to play a video, we, we, we went out, the folks with Until Freedom were out there as well, and, and he talked about that there were people who, I mean, they had to, like, really talk to them and, and answer their questions, and they had to spend, you know, not just, hey, pick up this flyer, but literally, you know, walk them through why this matters, and some folks who might say that's too much work, but every single one of those votes will count come January 5th. The, the other thing, Roland, when you step to people, letting them know, first of all, they matter. They matter. So we are taking the message to people saying, you matter. We have, I had somebody come to work to meet with me today, Roland, with three children in the car and a busted window. So now I said, sister, what you're going to do is take your babies home, get them situated, and can you post some things online? Because she matters. So you know, she, I said, and let everybody know they have to vote. Did you vote? Yes, I voted. Are you going to vote now? I'm going to vote again. But it is caring our, about our community. And first, when people understand that they matter, the people that matter vote. It's very simple. So that's how we bump up to Latasha Brown's message of black voters matter. It's not black votes matter. The voters themselves matter. And we are delivering that message every place, whether somebody votes or not. Let them know that they matter, and we, if they understand how much they matter and how important their vote is, then we can get them out. Get ready. Felicia, we certainly appreciate it. We thank the work that you're doing with the HBCU Green Fund, with the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation, uh, Black Youth Vote as well. Y'all are out there. We'll be ch chatting with y'all again uh, as uh, y'all are going across the, this state. Again, today is the registration deadline in Georgia. But early voting starts, and so people don't realize that y'all work ain't done. The end of one phase, which is the registration, now is getting them out to vote early. Yes, and thank you so much, Roland. I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, uh, earlier today, we also caught up with uh, the folks with Until Freedom. Uh, they were out in these streets in Atlanta. It was uh, very chilly in Atlanta today. Uh, 45 degrees overcast, that wind was blowing 20 miles an hour, so it felt more like it was in uh, low to mid-30s. But that did not stop Tamika Mallory, Linda Sarsour, my son, and others 
from being out here and encouraging people. First of all, checking people's registration, talking to them about the power and impact of voting. And so uh, here is that. You know, we at Until Freedom like to work with low propensity voters. Gotta, That's what they are called. We believe that they're actually high propensity voters if properly engaged. And so we're out in the communities where you obviously, if you look around, you don't see many people out here right. with those big budgets right. registering folks. But we're out here making sure we've already registered a few people, making sure folks know about the runoff, understand why they need to show up at the polls, and just engaging our folks. Right. So, so one of your folks there, so what she's doing yeah, right he's, now, he's, uh... He's working. This young lady says she needed to check her registration. She wants to make sure her registration is still in place. And he's helping her right now using his smartphone to um, check her voter registration. Uh, so y'all, so how long have y'all been here? So we've been, this is our second week in Georgia, but we've actually been, um, you know, throughout the entire election process on the road across the country. Hold on so, a second. Hey, y'all ready to vote? Yeah. Y'all good? Yes, now. All right, cool. All right, just checking. Yeah, no, they, um, a lot of the younger people are registered. That's what we're finding. Black women are very receptive. They need, they want the information if they don't have it. It's black men where we struggle the most and we have to have the most conversations. Um, you know, and my son spends a lot of time talking to the folks in, you know, our generation right, right. and really trying to help them understand because they they have been sucked into the narrative around Trump being, um, you know, a better choice for us or even if a worse choice. But we need to keep somebody who's, you know, going to keep us engaged and somebody that will make us mad so we can do the work. And that's obviously a narrative that is extremely dangerous for our community. So he spends time out here debating with everybody and really getting <laughs> into it. And that's what we do. You know, just having presence out here. We believe that one of the most important things is to make sure that our people feel loved and engaged so that they don't feel like we're just saying, oh, you know, y'all are not voting and we're frustrated with you. No, we understand that there's a lot of trauma. People feel hopeless. And so we have to actually bring them in and make them feel important. Well, the point you made about, um, in terms of what these black men are, um, look, in, in, the, in 2012, I kept telling everybody, there was a nine-point gap between sure. black men and black women for Obama and Romney. Right. It went to 13 for Trump, then it went to 20 this year. I kept telling people, look, when you saw nine and 12, that was with it because there were a lot of black men who felt that Obama didn't do enough. Right. I said, y'all, that thing is real. Right. You can argue all day, right. but you better have a plan to deal with that because that then impacts everything that goes below the presidential race. So U.S. Senate, congressional races, um, DA races, whatever. <clears throat> so the target has to be directly to black men. I think a lot of people don't yeah. focus on that. And then there's been so much intensity about black women, black women, black women, that my deal is like, no, you gotta have specific messaging. Absolutely, for black men. So y'all, so y'all. And we've been spending time like going <coughs> to the strip clubs, catching brothers before they get in. You know, not after they come out, cause that, it don't work. It don't work <laughs> after they come out. But before they go in, so we've been at, in Georgia specifically last weekend, we went to some of the hottest clubs, the areas where everybody was out. It was warmer, lots of people out. And we specifically focused on black men you know, stopping them and talking so, so to them. So when the people got mad at the sisters who put that put that video together, take their booty to the pole. Yeah. A lot of people were like, oh my God, this is offensive, this is demeaning to black yeah. people. But they were like, look, 
we gonna get folks no matter where they absolutely. go. Absolutely, absolutely. That, and that's they, that's what they do every day. So why not use where you are? They say that use what's in your section. hand, that right? Then that's those are their people. That's their demographic. And so they stood and they talked with those people in the language that they understand. If it's not for you, don't listen to it. And for us, a lot of people say you go into strip clubs. Absolutely, those people have families. They pay taxes. Some of them. They uh, they go to, they go to school. They have their children in school. They buy groceries. People been shopping. Okay. Oh, some, uh, some better stocks. <laughs> uh, so, my son, I was, yes, talk, I was just talking to uh, uh, Tamika about um, the, with the discussions you've been having. And she said you've been having debates with a lot of these brothers trying to get them to understand. Just talk about that, what, what, you had, what you had to do and how much extra you had to put into it to get them to understand why they got to get registered and vote. Well, you know, first, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge that I understand. Right. You know, black men have. We're dealing with so much different trauma. We have trust issues, and, and rightfully so. You know, this system has never really done anything to rectify things that we've gone through through our history. We've overly incarcerated, killed. We, we're dealing with a lot of different issues. So when you're telling them to vote for a system that they've never really seen change, it really, it triggers them. But what I explained to them is that, listen, regardless of what you think is going on, there are consequences for doing nothing. Right. You know, we if we sit there and we allow these people to continue to move, we looked at Trump's presidency and we realized he was moving towards, you know, where he was going to be a dictator. We were, he was moving towards dictatorship. We watched him roll back That's laws. Right. He was putting in um, different judges. Look, look, right now, he only got 40-some-odd days. He's trying to put to death five people and several African-American just for the hell of it. They are literally... They, they are literally racing to execute folk before he gets out because he got the power to do so right now. Exactly. That, that's literally what they're yeah, doing. And, and, and when you talk about that, that's evil. It's, it's, a, it's a white supremacist uh, mind state that has kept us enslaved, that has utilized the 13th Amendment against yeah. us. And he was focused on really putting in policy and putting in place something that will completely roll back our civil rights. So to acknowledge that, and then acknowledge, we can acknowledge what happened with Joe Biden. We can acknowledge the crime laws. We can acknowledge the crack. Those things actually happen. Right. So I'm not, I'm not mad at you when you talk about that, but I'm talking about imminent danger. When we're dealing with imminent danger, you know, I understand the, the you know, I understand the pushback, understand the pain that we're dealing with. But when we look at, it's not the lesser of two evils. It's just voting for a better opponent. But that also, that also. It was 1994. Exactly. This is 2021. 20 years ago. So so the thing now is, to me, the thing now is, in terms of where we are, if you got this race right here, Old South Warnock wins, it's a 50-50 tie. The reality is, what I keep telling them is, the George Floyd Justice Act, passed by the House, can now get signed into law if Old South and Warnock wins and the Dems hold their deal. If they don't win, there's no chance it gets passed. Exactly. So those are things that I tell them too, is that we understand the reality of what we're dealing with. So you have to be involved in the process. You have to understand. We know, we realize what this administration did give us nothing. We've seen them take away our civil rights. We've literally seen them take away our rights. So we got to do something different. That's my motto. Like we need something different. So the more that we put these people in a position to actually be able to make change, we still gonna fight them every day. 
We with them every day. We're going to be on them to make sure that they hold to the end of the bargain. But we know that we got a better chance of winning with this administration than we have before. Uh, last night, y'all were all gathered. Y'all were uh, live tweeting mm -hmm. uh, the debate last night. Get over here, Linda. Y'all were all live tweeting uh, debate last night. Uh, and uh, just uh, how crazy is it what you heard last night from the robot Kelly left? Oh, man. You mean the Nazi Barbie? I mean, this lady is outrageous. She really is outrageous. And people only heard, like, probably one hundredth of the type of bigotry that she has. I mean, she was using dog whistles all night. She doesn't know what socialism is. She has no idea what Marxism is. She's just using buzzwords to instill fear in people. And the idea that she kept on calling uh, Warnock the radical liberal, the whole radical, entire radical, 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 radical liberal Warnock. First of all, there's no such thing as a radical liberal. That was all, you know that. all poll tested. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she just kept on with her messaging. So you, we also have to, we had a debate about this yesterday, Roland, that she's doing her job because she is appealing to her base. Right. And she's talking to her people, right? We always have to water down what we're saying because we want to try to appeal to people she's trying to appeal with and right. bring them over to our side instead of saying, let's expand our people. Right. She didn't. She didn't water down nothing of what she was saying. Right. She she, it up. she she was she was fired up last night. Even as a robot, she was a fired up robot. So I don't know. I I just want people to know that we're gonna still fight, but we need these two Senate seats. So regardless of how you felt that Raphael Warnock did last night, Georgia, we need you in these streets. We need you at the polling sites. I know Reverend Warnock. I went to seminary with him. Um, we're in a, 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 a interfaith fellowship together. He's an incredible human being who truly believes in dignity and human rights for all people and he's going to be a great senator for sure people, I, I had to explain to people one of the reasons why he, he can't go hard when we got to be right. honest right. when you're a black man running against a white woman oh, yeah, that's, that's, in georgia absolutely. He, he has to walk a very fine line which is why i think his commercial looked yeah. the way they look and that's what happened yeah, so no, I she tried to bait him a few times too because she of said course. i don't want to be i don't need to be lectured by you well, I, well, so I, she was I, trying to get into that that, yeah, that, that sexist, kind of dynamic. Yeah. There you go. Now, what, yeah. <laughs> what I would have said is, what you need is a Bible study. Right. Uh, but that would have been great. Well, I'm going to ask you this here. Yes. Um, everybody can see you. This is true. It's yeah. pretty bright. You want everybody to know <laughs> what we out here doing. Precisely. Today's the last day to register to vote. It's important for Georgia yeah, to get he out. Did, he did this for you, Roland. That's part of your That's uh, right. logo. I mean, he, Listen, I mean you, you, you like, hey, hey, you like cloud, you rain. Y'all going to see me. Listen, orange is a powerful color. <laughs> That's right. We're going to thank uh, Tamika, my son, and Linda, and all the folks with Untold Freedom for all the work that they're doing. We've got some breaking news. Tomorrow, Joe Biden, President-elect Joe Biden, is going to name, as his Secretary of Defense, retired four-star general, excuse me one second, folks, uh, Lloyd Austin, as his Secretary of Defense. Again, uh, that is a huge decision there. Uh, Lloyd Austin retired. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he is uh, one of the few African-Americans to ever uh, ascend to the rank of four-star. He used to head the uh, Central Command, uh, the United States uh, Central Command, uh, a, a, a major, major uh, military leader. Uh, he, of course, uh, someone who we had uh, on our show uh, talking about the issue of 
COVID uh, early on, early on. And so uh, here is, uh, so you should be able to see right All now. All of the agencies uh, and the government have to work together under the direction. Uh, retired four-star general Lord Austin when he was on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, again, uh, he has, is uh, someone with an, imp an impressive uh, background uh, in military, spent uh, a number of decades serving in uh, the U.S. Army, uh, but he is going to, this is a, let me tell you something, a serious, serious individual with an impeccable resume, uh, command, a, a commanding man, and so uh, it is, uh, that is a, a, a major deal there, Joseph Williams, uh, that Joe Biden uh, has chosen for one of his significant uh, national security positions, uh, Lloyd Austin, uh, to, to be in that position. Uh, there were a lot of people, they were talking about Jay Johnson, who was under the chair, excuse me, head of the Department of Homeland Security under Obama. Uh, but Lloyd Austin becomes the first African-American ever to be the Secretary of Defense for the United States. That is uh, big news there, Joseph. Yeah, so a big shout out to uh, Joe Biden, who's actually keeping a campaign promise here with this one. He said that he was going to create a cabinet that was as diverse as anyone has ever seen in the history of the United States. And this was a significant pick. Uh, not only do you have one of the first African-American four stars in the U.S. military coming aboard as the Secretary of Defense, but you have someone with impeccable credentials, as you said, somebody who uh, is, is almost guaranteed to get conferred by the Senate. And who will bring a different perspective to this job. Uh, so I think it's a major pick. I think I know that Biden was under some pressure over the last few days to continue uh, uh, picking minorities for this position. He, had, he, he was uh, under pressure to get picks, uh, an African-American for one of the big four. Uh, and this is a big one. So I think that uh, people can look to this as a sign that Biden is trying to keep his commitment to African-American voters. Uh, the, the question remains whether or not this continues on with the rest of his cabinet picks. Uh, you have a significant number of African-Americans who have served in the United States military, Julian. Uh, a number of those, uh, those folks. Uh, you've had black four-star generals. We've had many of them uh, on our show as well. But to see an African-American ascend to become Secretary of Defense, uh, remember, retired four-star General Colin Powell, uh, he served as National Security Advisor, also Secretary of State. Uh, you had Condoleezza Rice, who was Secretary of State. Uh, uh, but you've never had an African-American over the nation's military. That is a big deal. One of, when you talk about a presidential cabinet, of the top four positions, if you will, uh, when they're making their picks. Frankly, Vice President, Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense ranks among the top four positions of any presidential cabinet. You know, that's what the challenge has been, is to make sure that there were African-Americans in the statutory uh, cabinet. And the statutory cabinet does not include economic advisors. It does not include EPA. There are 12 cabinet positions that are laid out, and this is one of the top four. So this is extraordinarily significant, and it also does speak to um, Biden's ability to choose as he would. There was enormous pressure for white women to choose a white woman who had been um, involved in defense issues. I was just watching something earlier today where we were told that you know, this woman had more experience than anybody else, you know, with all Michelle the necros. Ford. 
and um, I forgot you're the woman's talking, name. Yeah, 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 you're talking about, yeah, now I got Michelle you, Juliana. You talk about Michelle Flournoy, uh, yeah. who yes. served uh, in, the, in the Obama administration, and there were a lot of people who were saying that she could become the first female Secretary of Defense. Lloyd Austin, retired four-star general Lloyd Austin, will become the first African-American Secretary of Defense under Biden. But, you know, the, the, the tension that this white woman put out there, the commentator, uh, was frankly to me offensive. She basically said that black people had gotten ahead in the military more quickly than women had, so that women needed the greater claim. I just hope that as uh, Brother Biden attempts to build a diverse cabinet, that we don't set constituencies apart from each other, although we already see some of it, African-American versus Latino, women versus African-American. And what we have to trust Joe Biden about, and I say this uneasily because, you know, Roland, I don't trust white folks but so much, but what we have to trust him about is a judgment to balance this cabinet. And I think so far, I'm willing to do that. Uh, Teresa. It's about time. Uh, we've always been at the front lines of defense, and now we have an African-American leader who will be telling us where the defense needs to go in order to protect the country that we built. So I think it, it is going along with uh, Biden's and Kamala's plans in order to diversify their um, cabinet, but also it gives the American people hope that change is, yes, coming, but we have a president that is listening and a cabinet that is willing to do the work on day one. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, we're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, a huge budget. Uh, frankly, the United States spends more on defense uh, than the next ten countries combined, uh, and so uh, it's going to be a, a very tough job there for uh, retired four-star general Lord Austin. But he certainly. Uh, can uh, can actually make it happen. So uh, we look forward to that announcement. It could come as early as tomorrow. Folks, got to go to a break. When we come back, more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, including comedian George Wallace with his new book. Uh, that is next. And also, uh, man, young sister, 53 years old. She starred in the movie uh, Baps, as well as How to Be a Player, Dead Today at the Age of 53, will tell you. Uh, about that. Uh, all of that next. Roller Martin Unfiltered. Live from Atlanta, Georgia. Back in a moment. When the going got tough in business, David Perdue outsourced American jobs overseas. In a deposition, Perdue testified he spent most of his career outsourcing. You need a career outsourcing. How do you defend that? Well, defend it. I'm proud of it. When the going got tough in the Senate, Purdue hid in the airport bathroom and even stole someone's cell phone who asked him a tough question. I stole my property. When the going got tough with COVID, Purdue hid critical information while selling his own stocks. Records show that Senator David Purdue bought and sold stocks shortly after a private Senate briefing on the virus. It's not just that you're a crook, Senator. You're attacking the health of the people that you represent. Now Purdue won't even face his constituents backing out of debate after debate. Enough! incompetence, deceit, corruption, division. Change has come to Georgia. Change is coming to America. Georgia needs a real senator, not a chicken Purdue. Midas Touch is responsible for the content of this advertising. I'm John Ossoff, and too many are struggling to afford prescriptions. One change in the law would make a huge difference. See, Medicare is America's biggest buyer of prescriptions. 
But the drug companies bought off Congress, and they made it illegal for Medicare to negotiate lower prices. It's straight-up corruption. Fighting corruption is my job. I approve this message because I'm not taking donations from corporate PACs, and I won't let the drug companies rip us off anymore. We told them the smear ads were coming, and that's exactly what happened. You would think that Kelly Leffler might have something good to say about herself if she really wants to represent Georgia. Instead, she's trying to scare people by taking things I've said out of context from over 25 years of being a pastor. But I think Georgians will see her ads for what they are. Don't you? I'm Raphael Warnock, and we approve this message. It's a great opportunity to really seek the truth and the facts and learn about the real Kelly Leffler. Uh, I'll jump right in. Federal records show up to $3 million in stock sales in the weeks after a private coronavirus briefing. While still reassuring citizens that the U.S. was prepared. You thought the government was prepared, yet you sold over a million dollars in stock. Were you trading on inside information about what was coming? What, was, what, what date was that meeting? She sold these stocks on the day of the briefing. Right after it happened, perfectly timed. Both you and your husband, who runs the New York Stock Exchange, have said these were conducted by third-party advisors. Who were these advisors, and what regular communication do you have with them? Uh, we have an employee in our personal family office that intermediates between the uh, advisors. Not only did she sell a lot of stock, she bought a stock which benefits from a software that helps teleworking people that work from home. Man, that's shady. I'm more upset that these people could have acted more for the American people than their stock for portfolio. Right now, from what I'm hearing, I'm not seeing a big need to extend the federal unemployment insurance. Do you have any regrets over how you conducted your financial dealings over the past several months? Not at all. Deion Cole, and you're watching. Roland Martin, unfiltered. Stay woke. All right, folks. Uh, legendary comedian George Wallace has released a new book title. It's called Bullwit and Whatnot, The Online Ramblings of George Wallace. That's pretty much what, what George does a lot. The book focuses on his Twitter rants. Uh, hmm, quite, trust me, and it's not just his Twitter rants, he will actually send you these rants in a text message. I have been on the receiving end of many of them. Joining me now is the great man himself, George Wallace. What up, George? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am doing very well. I'm here in uh, Atlanta. How are you, Roland? Well, hell, I'm in Atlanta. They should have had. They didn't tell me you won't be in Atlanta. They, we should have had. We should have done the interview together. Well, then again, uh, uh now you know no, you, you no, real no, old, no so COVID ahead. might I'm affect you. This house. I am not leaving this house. I've been here since March 14. I ain't going nowhere. You understand me? Nobody comes here. I go nowhere. I'm scared, and I don't think the people in Atlanta got the message. Have you seen how many people running around here without a mask? Hey, 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 George. Look, I'm serious. First of all, I got two masks. I even wear the goggles. And what I don't quite understand, George, do people not get what I call nonverbal messages? What I mean by that is, when they ask step close, I back up. And I back up more. And I'm like, why you keep moving forward? Back your ass up. Social distance. 
You're like me. Speaking of social distance, I sent you a photo. Do you have me on top of the roof? <laughs> Do you have that photo of me on top of the roof? Yeah, I. Yeah, I sent that. Yeah, yeah, hold on one second, y'all. Let let me let me airdrop this to my iPad so I can show y'all this whole crap. I told y'all uh, the stuff George sent me. Y'all 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 thought I was lying. Y'all, George, let me let me let me airdrop this photo to my iPad right now uh, so I can show y'all. Uh, Anthony, let's Anthony, let's get ready to switch this. Uh, for, for some, uh, y'all, I'm telling you, George, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and put it up. For some reason, it's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm telling y'all, George sent me stuff, and he sent me this photo talking about he on top of the roof. I said, y'all, this man ain't got no doggone sense. Talking about he practices social distancing. Uh, let me, me see if I can pull this thing up. So, so, so George, you ain't left home at all, huh? Listen to me. You Don't ain't left home at all. Roland, my daughter stopped by to see me the other day. I live on the top floor, right? That's my, that's my balcony. I'm waving at her ass. I told her that's close as she's going to get. Keep moving. Keep moving. Social distancing. <laughs> that's me waving at her. Y'all, this is the photo George. Y'all, this is the photo George sent me. So, George, that's you? Wait. Hold on. Let me see if I... <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that look like you. That's me waving yeah, at look, my daughter. That's she you. Stop She's in the parking lot across the street. Now. Said, Your hey, daughter. Hey, keep moving. <laughs> that's the that's the closest she can get. Keep moving. Social distancing. Keep moving. That's, listen, I'm so concerned about this, uh, uh, Roland. I'm trying to stay six feet away from myself, from me. I don't trust nobody. Okay. <laughs> I, I moved the mirror out of my bathroom because so it was too close to me. I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> so, Joe, uh, so this book is about your this this book is about your Twitter rants. Um, just when did first of all, when did you join Twitter? How I long you been on Twitter? Twitter? In 2011 or 2009. The reason I did it, I didn't want to join because I'm thinking now, why would I give away my jokes for free? Okay. And plus, this is a different type George Wallace humor. You got to get these jokes in in 140 characters. Now, it's 280, okay? So I'm doing better now. But it's just little online ramblings of me talking about things I would do. Today, I had a shout-out to the top five lots in the world. You know, you got your play lot, you got your sand lot, you got your last lot. And somebody uh, wrote in, I love I love the reply. Somebody, how about Charlotte? So it's just, it's so much fun. That's what I do. It's just online ramblings on stupid stuff I would do. Because I'll straight up, like I'll eat cupcakes out of a pan and pancakes out of a cup. Because I do stupid stuff like that. I don't play by the rules, Roland. I don't play by the rules. <laughs> well, I don't look, eat an I, English look, muffin. I, I am with you. Roland, I will eat an English muffin in France Go and ahead. French toast while I'm in England. I don't care. But it's called bull twit. Not bull whip, bull twit. Oh, bull twit. I'm sorry. My bad. I, I could, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure. Bull twit. Bull, I couldn't say what I wanted okay. to say. Bull twit. Bull twit. You get it? <laughs> bull twit. That's what it's all about. And it's online. Yes, yes it's, George. Yes. Listen to me. It's online. This is the only book I have. I don't even have it yet. You should have one coming. And it's 1995. And you get this with georgewallace.net. Rowan, George Wallace, I be thinking... I did not go to Amazon.com 
They take half your money. I want you and everybody in your family right. to go to georgewallace.net, okay? georgewallace.net. It makes a great book for Christmas gifts. And it's only $19.99, and it's a quality so you book. Want, you, want, you, 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 you want all the money. So, uh, so are you personally mailing them out yourself? Because, see, that means I you got to go to the post office, office George. At my office. I'm in Atlanta, but my office, my fulfillment center is in Las Vegas at my office. But it's a quality book. The quality of the book is actually better than the jokes. That's how good this book is. <laughs> Look at that. A glossy book. You can enjoy this. And there's so many funny things in here. And the forward is written by my funny friend, Pat Oswald. I did get into trouble. My best friend, Jerry Seinfeld, wanted to know why did he not write the forward of the book. Well, Pat Oswald loves my tweets. And I said, okay, you write it. And Seinfeld, some people don't know it, talking about this because uh, a lot of people don't know that's my best friend for 45 years. A lot of people don't know that I'm actually the real George on Seinfeld. Did you know that, Roland? Yes, I knew that. George, you okay. forgot you and I sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview when I, we were in Los Angeles before the Image Awards. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I was his roommate for 13 years. I'm Seinfeld's roommate for 13 years. I was best man in his wedding, and I'm the father of his kids. So... People need to know that. So, but <laughs> what we're talking about today is I got my, book. You, want, you got one already? Uh, I, I, uh, look, I'm going to get a book. I got my panel here, Teresa, Julian, Joseph. I know they got some questions for you. They get to ask one question. Uh, and so uh, I'll first start off with, let's see. Uh, we'll, go with, we'll, we'll go with the person who is closest to you in age. So, Julian, you get to ask George a question first. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean the closest to my age? Now, Roland, you know for a fact, I, I started doing comedy in 1883. So that's how long I've been doing comedy. Okay, young lady, go ahead. Well, so we got close at all. But I love your... <laughs> Roland ain't right, and neither are you. But let me... Where does your humor come from? What makes you... Uh, what ma what makes you make us crack it up? I cracked up through the whole conversation with you and Roland. Where does your humor come from? It's just funny because, you know, I don't know. I'm just so blessed. You know, you know. Let, I don't want to crack up here, but I'm the most blessed person in the world. God gave me a passion to tell jokes and make people happy. I wanted to be a comedian since I was six years old, and God has blessed me, and I'm going to choke up right now because all I do every night, I come out on stage, the place is full, and all I do is just lie. I just lie. I just love telling <laughs> lies. I just thank God. I, I ask God, ask God every night, let me be the greatest bs -er in the world. I want to be the greatest bs -er in the world. But right now, Donald Trump is kicking my ass in the bullshit department. You understand what I'm saying? So He's that's how I come up with humor. I, I wrote a letter the other day. I told, Donald, I told Donald Trump, please don't come to Georgia. We already have a virus here. We do not. We got 19. We can't deal with 45. Do not come to Georgia. But he came I down here it. with this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making me laugh for the last 15 minutes. Well, what you need to do is get this book, George Wallace. It's called Bull Twit and Whatnot. And Whatnot. And Roland, it tells you about me growing up here in Atlanta. And uh, I was so poor. We were so poor, we could only listen to the pips. We never knew that was a Gladys. We never knew about Gladys until about 10 years ago. That's how poor we were. <laughs> No, you laugh if you want to. Let me tell you something. This is true. Uh, we used to watch Sons. We used to watch Sons. We never knew about Sanford. We didn't know. Listen, I knew Red Fox, but I didn't know he was Sanford. 
Bro, this stuff is true I'm making up. This stuff is true. People, let me tell you something. Bro, when we were so poor, people used to break into our house and they go, oh my God. And they would bring us furniture. They would bring us... There's something wrong with me. You want to get a copy of this book? Get it before Christmas. It goes under your tree. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking. Go ahead. You're right. There is, there, is, there is something wrong with you. Next question goes to Joseph Williams. <laughs> I hear you got a book. Uh, you have a book coming out. Is, is that right? Didn't I just tell you I got a book called Bullfoot? Are you watching the show or not? That's a bullfoot right there. Go online. You know what? My people are coming on. I just want you to listen. A lot of people don't know about the Twitter language. It's a different language. So it's a different type of humor from George Wallace. But it's called Bull Twit, and it's so great. Uh, GeorgeWallace.net. Go online right now. I'm getting so many. I think I'm already sold out before. The book hasn't even been released yet. But go online. If it crashes, you go back. It's a great Christmas gift. It's only It's a quality, very expensive book. It's only $19.95. But if you buy five, I charge you $120 just for the hell of it. <laughs> now, are you still performing? Where are you performing these days? Are you, are you doing online stuff? Are you in club? I mean, what's going on? I mean, you, you, how are you getting it out there? It's Twitter. Twitter's on every day. Do you tweet? You, it's on Twitter every day. Go to Twitter right now at Mr. George Wallace. It's on Twitter. I was voted. There's something wrong with you asking me a question like that. Listen. I was voted top funniest 25 <laughs> tweeters in the world by Rolling Stone magazine. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that. The number one funniest no, we didn't know that. Play. I was voted the number one funniest uh, uh, tweeter by Playboy magazine. I didn't even know they were still in business, but I was voted. <laughs> Bull twit. Uh, Teresa. Teresa. Yes. Teresa is uh, the youngest person on the panel, George. George, she wanted to, I think, Teresa, are, are, you call yourself a, a millennial or a Gen Z? I'm a millennial, okay? <laughs> I'm not that young. <laughs> okay, I can't, I, I, I can't, George, I can't stand millennials or Gen Z, so it don't matter. But Teresa, go ahead with your question. Hey, Roland, Roland, they are different, aren't they? They just do stupid stuff. I'm at McDonald's the other day. And I ordered it. I said, can I get a hamburger? The idiot general, general Gen Z says, you want cheese on that? I said, you stupid nut. Did I order a cheeseburger? I ordered a hamburger. And I want ham on it. There's something wrong with them, Roland. There's something wrong with them. You know, I just call in every once a week. I got so much to talk about. So much to talk. And guess what else happened to me? I go to church. I'm trying to become a... a, a I want to stay a Christian comedian because I don't cuss a lot, right? But I want to cuss. And I, I wrote a joke about, I guess a year ago, I met a guy named Walker Flocker Flame. Oh, yeah. Walker Flocker Flame. Right. That's not, it's, not, it's not cussing, but it's close enough, isn't it, Roland? Roland, everybody listen to me and just say, Walker Flocker. <laughs> Walker Flocker. Walker Flocker. Hey, hey, Roland, I'm at church I yesterday. Wish a Flocker Flocker I wish a Walker Flocker would. That's what I said. I wish a walk a flock of wood. Listen to me, Roland. I was in church yesterday, and the bishop walked up in the pulpit. I said, look at this walk a flock of walk a flock was the first Sunday. Yesterday was the first Sunday. It's a, you know, you can go to church in the parking lot now. <laughs> and they had communion. Ooh, that's some good service. You, got, you can have real wine in your car. Real wine. And who the hell come up? Who 
the world come up with grape juice for communion? Grape juice. What did Jesus do, Roland? You know the Bible. Your wife knows the Bible. Jesus turned water into wine. Didn't turn into no grape juice. Right. That's what happened. They were sitting there eating many, many years ago. Jesus and his 12 disciples, they were sitting there, apostles, they were sitting there eating. Jesus said, who brought this grape juice? Who brought this grape juice in there? He said, this is the last supper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Teresa, what's your question for George? Question. Teresa, what's your question for George? You know what? I don't have a question for George. All I'm going to say is I'm going to go get the book. I'm going to go, you know, educate my fellow millennials. We're going to laugh. We're going to tweet. Mm -hmm. And this will be a good book that will be on back of my shelf uh, for my new book, Spotlight. So thank well, you. I would like to be on your show too. It's called Bulltwit George Wallace.net. Now a lot of people buying both books. A lot of people are still buying this book right here. Uh laugh it off. So I'm okay. it's it's pretty good. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. But Bull Twit is the next book, and there's more Bull Twit where that came from. I love I talk Bull Twit all day. I think I do too. <laughs> so and I'm gonna get the book. You get that book, okay? Because I just so no, I don't play by the rules. You know what, Roland? I pick my teeth with an ice pick, and I pick ice with a toothpick. Because I don't play by the rules. You see, I'm different. <laughs> I, I'm different. I take a, I take well, a refrigerator well, magnet. Go ahead. Well, well, I gotta ask. I gotta ask you, George. You, you live in Georgia. Uh, I gotta hear what you gotta say about that robot, Kelly Leffler. Uh, and David Perdue running against uh, John Olsoff and Raphael Warnock. Listen, I'm the first one three years ago I told everybody in Georgia, vote your ass off for John Assoff. <laughs> vote your ass off for John Assoff. I started that two years ago. Oh, listen, Kelly, last night in that uh, debate, I wish I could have been on. I, mean, I would have said, turn your face to the camera and tell the people again, lie to them once again. You know me, you know I'm a minister, and you say I'm a third... And I'm and I denounce police, uh, defund, uh, police. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I want to say, turn to the camera and lie once again. Yeah, we know. Three times. You said three times that I'm a third. Now they turn to you, and you know I'm not a third. I'm a minister. I'm a people of. I'm a person of the people. You just keep lying, okay? And you're not one of us. Everybody in Georgia, you need to know this lady has over five hundred million dollars, and she ain't one of us. Damn. <laughs> that would have worked. You better believe it. I want to tell her, look in the now camera and to the people. Because I, I said, Kelly, look in the people. Look in the camera. You, that's, now, see, America, you're not only going to represent Georgia, but you represent America. She's lying to you right here on camera. That's what you want in Washington, D.C.? Bam, come on. And then I would have said to her, now, jo every now, time now, George. Yes, sir. Now, jo George, you know a black man can't get that aggressive with a white woman in Georgia? Well, then he could have said to her, he could have said to her, uh, I just forgot a good joke. Can you believe that? I'm getting old. Like, Where's my privilege? I need privilege. <laughs> <laughs> I need some privilege. You know, because I'm, I'm starting to forget stuff. <laughs> Next question. Anybody else? I got to ask this here, George. I got I to ask this, George. So, uh, so they're saying that Trump is going to run again in 2024. Trump is a con man. Trump is just taking these people's money. He's raised over $207 million. He's just taking their money. He may not even be around here. Trump, he, he keeps Trump, and he calls it the China, the China uh, virus. We should call it the Trump mumps. That's what it is. 
Listen to me. He will not run in 2004. We're going to be just fine. Biden's going to be fine. America is good already. We feel good already, don't we? Look at me. I'm wearing my... This is not a... This is not an ugly sweater. This is just one of my... <laughs> this is one of my regular sweaters I wear every day. <laughs> But it's not as ugly as you so, so, All right, George. So, George, all right. So, so I want you to uh, imagine you're shooting a commercial uh, and you're trying to tell people to vote for John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock. Uh, and so let's just say it's a 30-second commercial. I'm going to time you. I'm going to see how good you are. I'm going to see how good you are with this here. So somebody out there, we know, of course, today's the last day to register to vote. We know, of course, early voting starts next uh, uh, on December 14th, next Monday. And so, all right. So, you, so let's say this is a George Wallace political commercial uh, that would run uh, on television. Uh, three, two, one. Hi, everybody. This is Crazy George Wallace, and I want you to know I'm here. I'm a fellow Georgian, and I'm all about progress. And I tell you what, always go with youth. Always go with youth, people that you can associate with. John Ossoff, as I say, both to Ossoff and John Ossoff. This guy is so smart. You heard him yesterday debate. Reverend Warnock, a good friend of mine, a minister, you know he's not a thug. He does not want to defund the police officers. He's telling the truth. So you need to get out and vote because your vote is powerful. You can vote. People from America, you still can vote with your dollar. So do me a favor. Call in right now. Go to georgiasenate.com. Vote. Help us change America. That's right. We can change America. I'm George Wallace. I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Let's do this. Bam. Uh, that was nice. That was a 51-second, 30-second commercial. So way to go. That was not 51 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> You're right. It was 50, It was 52 seconds, 5201. That's what it was. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is January 5. Let me do it over. Okay, how about that? Let's find, that's 10 go seconds. Go ahead. Okay. All right, here we go. F okay, here we go. All right. Three, two, one. Hello once again, everybody. It's me, Crazy George Wallace. And you know me, I'm all about happiness. And that's what I want you to be. A proud Georgian. I'm born and raised here in Atlanta. We call it Wakanda. You know, there's so many black people here. It's so many black people here in Atlanta. Africans get off the airplane. They go, whoa! And <laughs> it's not only about black people. It's just about good people. All the people in the rural counties, in the red counties, we're for everybody. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Democrat. I'm, I'm not Republican. I'm for Georgians. I'm for everybody. So vote on January 5 for Warnock and Ossoff. Is it awesome? Get your ass off your butt and go vote. <laughs> Get us off your butt. <laughs> 4307, 4, 4, but I'll take it. Joe, hey, what's hey, the hey, name hey, of the book? Take three. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, last one. Third, third time is going to be a charm. All right, here we no, go. No, no, no. Three, two, one. Okay, three, two, go ahead. Hello, everybody. This is me, George Wallace. Have you had enough bull twit? Have you had enough bull twit in your life? This is me, George Wallace, telling you how you can make a change in America. You need to get out and vote, especially here in Georgia. You can make a change. 
January 5 is your day to vote, especially the young people out there. And all you people in Clayton County, 80,000 black people did not vote from Clayton County. You can make a difference. You know you can do that. Let's make a change. Come on, everybody. Let's get happy. I'm George Wallace. I love you. There's absolutely <laughs> nothing you can do about it. 30 seconds. Bam. Boom. 29.78 seconds. I told you, third time is a charm. George Wallace, way to go. Tell everybody, you said the name of your book more, you said the name of your book today more times than Kelly Loeffler said Radical Liberal Warnock. So that tell everybody the name of the book where they can buy it. Uh, look at her, she's just, just a big liar. <laughs> oh man, I, went, oof, I, wish I, would have, I wish I had been there. But I love you. Hey, Roland, and all those other people in the studio, make sure you keep laughing because when you stop laughing, you stop living, okay? I can't wait to go back to work. I haven't worked since March 14, but I can't wait to get back out there. All right, George Wallace, my man, always good to chat with you. Glad you were on Roller Martin Unfiltered, and we're going to sell some copies of that book and, uh, and, try, and, uh, and, and make it a bestseller. Bulltwit.net. Bulltwit.net, and I'm doing it on my own. Like I said, Amazon.com takes all your money. This book here sold over 10,000 copies through me, so I'm doing it again. I, I'm my own man. I do it my way, okay? I feel you. Well, Joe, hey, George, I know. That's safe for my show. It's me, independent, and that's how we do it. Thank you so much. I can't wait to get in the studio live with you. Are you really in Atlanta? Yes, I'm in Atlanta. I'm te I text you the address. I'm, I've been in Atlanta since Thursday. I go back tomorrow, but I'm back here next week, so we'll actually be in Atlanta uh, for uh, all throughout through January 5th. Well, I, I, that's so good. I hope you're having fun in Atlanta. If you can't laugh in Atlanta, you can't laugh anywhere. We got a place in Atlanta called College Park. You ever heard of it? Of course. No college and no park. I don't know. There's some room for these people in Atlanta. We got... We got hey, Roland. Hey, Roland. Roland. We got two birds in Atlanta can't fly. We got the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta Hawks. Two, they can't fly at all. <laughs> I call them the Chick-fil-A uh, I, I, I call them the Chick-fil-A Falcons. You know why? <laughs> they both are closed on Sunday. Speaking of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna get us in trouble by the Atlanta people. George, I appreciate it, my brother. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Bulltwit, go online right now. Bulltwit.net. 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 I almost said it. <laughs> yeah, all right, George. I appreciate it, my man. Thanks a lot. Somebody better send me a check. I know that. Thanks my ass. I need a check. We're going to buy your book. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's a deal. Let me put on the Yeah, let me put my goggles on. Because I got to be protected up in here. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but you at the house by yourself, George. I don't trust me. All right, y'all. No, kill the music. I got last final story, please. Kill the music. Kill George me. Wallace, I appreciate it, my man. Thank you. You're a good man. I, George, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, You're George. Don't forget to watch me every You're Thursday the same. night on Civil Works, okay? Every Thursday night on Civil Works at 7 o'clock. Bye-bye. See you. Oh, that's, that's, I got that's you. It. I appreciate that's it. All right, folks. Uh, George is... George is, of course, a crazy man. Uh, folks, some sad news. A sister, we saw her in uh, a lot of different comedies. BAPS, 
I also saw her in How to Be a Player. Uh, Natalie DeSalle Reed uh, passed away. Of course, Babs came out in 1997. Uh, and of course, she also played the sitcom Eve. She passed away today of colon cancer. She was 53 years old. <laughs> Death was confirmed by Jacarius Johnson, CEO of Jacarius Entertainment, which had been planning a stage adaption of Babs. He said in a statement, quote, it was with great sadness and heavy, heavy hearts that Jacarius Johnson and the entire Entertainment family mourns the passing of one of our own, our sweet, unforgettable actress, comedian Natalie DeSalle Reed. In fact, her family, uh, she had a recurring role, uh, of course, uh, in uh, For Your Love with Holly Robinson Pete, as well as a role in Medea's Big Happy Family, along with rapper Bow Wow. She appeared in a number of roles over the years, including ER, Yes, Dear, and Family Matters in 1997. She also played a Minerva in, ABC music, in the ABC musical Cinderella, which starred Whitney Houston, Brandy, and Whoopi Goldberg. And in fact, I'm going to do this here. Um, the, um, so I'm going to pull this up because uh, actually her family, it wasn't Jacarius, her family uh, actually announced um, her uh, passing. And it was, um, so they released a statement, and I'm going to see if I can pull this up for it. It was, um, like I said, she, of course, uh, this is what they said. Uh, it is with extreme heavy hearts that we share the loss of beautiful Natalie this morning from colon cancer. She was a bright light in this world, a queen, an extraordinary mother and wife. Her diverse career touched so many, and she will be loved forever. Naturally, we are grieving and processing this profound loss, and we thank you in advance for respecting our privacy at this extremely difficult time. Natalie DeSalle Reed was 53 years old. Again, passed away from colon cancer. Folks, that is it for us. Uh, we, I'll be back in studio tomorrow, uh, but we'll still be, of course, covering what's happening with this Georgia runoff. Lots of stuff. Tomorrow, I will also have for you the interview that I did with John Ossoff talking about this race and what he wants to do if elected to the United States Senate. Don't forget to support what we do here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. And so please uh, help us all that you can uh, by uh, going to cash out, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com is forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can also, of course, send us some money. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Then, of course, you can send in money order to uh, New Vision Media, 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400. Washington, D.C., 2006. All right, folks, that is it for me. Broadcasting live from Atlanta. I will see you guys tomorrow. Take care. Ho! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.